I don't know about you guys, but we use, um, we use our smartphones a lot in our church. This morning at Kansas, I, uh, I just asked everybody, who's got a smartphone or a tablet with them? And about half the people in attendance raised their hands and waved their iPhones and iPads and everything. It is amazing that we've made that change uh, and, and we're taking advantage of that. I mean, I don't think they're sitting there checking their Facebook statuses. Maybe they are, or they're playing Flappy Birds or something. Maybe they're doing that too. But a lot of times I know they are following along, and we've been encouraging people to use the Version Bible app for a long time. It's a free app. It's a great Bible app, and it lets you read the Bible in different versions. I upload my sermon notes to the Version app every week, so people are able to follow along, even people who aren't there. I've had people who've been on vacation uh, all over the country and all over the world, really, and they say, oh, we read your notes while uh, while church was going on. So that was a really great thing. It's a great resource, and it's making a huge difference. I really think people are reading their Bibles more. Um, if you go to the Version website, there's a link you can click on. I think it's now.uversion.com, and it gives live statistics for how people are using that app. I mean, they are coming in instantly. And every few, ch- few seconds, the, uh, the page changes just a little bit, and it will let you know what's happening. Like, uh, I was checking it the other day, and the statistics that popped up said that 12 verses had been shared in Bolivia. Uh, so 12 different people in Bolivia were using the Uversion app, and right then it had shared different verses. In Brazil, 290 people had shared Bible verses. And then they keep track of overall stats. You know, since Uversion was first created, how much has it been used? And one of the stats was that since it's been created, 612,910,310 verses have been highlighted. You know, somebody finds a verse they like and they highlight it and they save that for later. And this is the one that amazes me. Since it was created, the Bible has been read using the Version app for over 101 billion minutes. Isn't that just amazing? I mean, it, and that's just one app. You know, there, there are several other apps. You can get Olive Tree and all these other Bible apps that are out there also for free. Um, but that, and that's just people reading off of the Uversion app, not counting people who are still, you know, using paper and uh, people who are still, re- you know, reading the Bible, picking it up maybe in a hotel room or something and, and perusing it. 101 billion minutes people have been reading their Bible. Uh, they also keep yearly stats, which are interesting. Um, last year, the most read chapter of the Bible. Uh, on the Version app, the most read chapter was Romans chapter 8, which just amazes me that, that it would be Romans chapter 8. What a great chapter. You know, it starts out, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's an incredible promise. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purposes, is there in Romans chapter 8. So what shall we say then to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Again, just wonderful promises. You have the ability through the app to uh, share favorite verses. If you find something you like, you can click on it, and then you click the share button, and you can send an email or a text or uh, post it on Twitter or post it on Facebook. The most shared verse last year, 2013, the most shared verse on the Uversion app, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a great verse. I mean, I've... I've found myself clinging to that verse many times. I think it's the all things that we really like on that. You know, I've, that just opens the door wide. If I can do all things through Christ, all right, you know, look, bring it on. Let me see what all things I can do. And if you watch football, you see Tim Tebow with the black stuff under his eyes, and he's got Philippians 4.13, so apparently 
Touchdowns are part of the all things that you can do if you, uh, if you trust God for those all things. You need a job, you, you can hold on to Philippians 4.13. I can get a job. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You need a promotion, you can do that. You, know? you can do, hold on to that verse. You need to find a spouse. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You need to find a better spouse. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who, who gives me strength. You, know? you need more money, you need to lose weight. Maybe you need to gain weight. I don't know, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's not a problem. I can do all of that. It might be important, though, to, to remember what Paul was going through when he wrote those verses, or wrote that verse about himself and about his own situation. I mean, Paul was not trying to score a touchdown when he wrote that verse. He was not trying to get a better job, and he certainly wasn't trying to clean up, clear up his acne. Paul was trying to stay alive. Paul was in prison. At the very least, he was under house arrest when he wrote that letter. He was under guard, probably chained to a big burly Roman soldier, and uh, very much aware that he was in captivity, very much aware that if his captors chose, that soldier would jerk that chain and take him outside and put his head down on the chopping block and, and end his life. So when you put it in that context, what all things might a person with a death sentence be concerned about? I want to look at Philippians 4. Beginning in verse 10, we'll go from 10 to 13 tonight, and then bounce around Philippians a little bit more. But he starts out in verse 10, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So as we read this verse, we have to see that the focus cannot be on all things. That can't be what we center on. The focus has to be on Christ, our Lord, our Savior, the source of our strength. And when we get that, then we see that the promise in this verse is that my condition, the things that I'm going through right now, my condition does not change the commission that I've received from Christ. Uh, there's no doubt that this is a very inspirational verse. This is a powerful verse. It's worthy of, of sharing. It's, it's worthy of sending it out on cards and letting people know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a wonderful verse to share. There's tremendous hope and truth in this one little verse. But if we try to make it say something that Paul never intended for it to say... That's a misuse of Scripture. That's abusive, and that can be very misleading, and, and that, that's very wrong. There was a, there's a preacher. I was reading about, up on, on this and did a little research, and I found this statement that was made by a preacher. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but he's on TV. I'll give you a hint. He's on TV, and he has nice hair and good teeth. So I don't know if that helps. You know, if you can figure out who it is from there. <clears throat> but this is what he said about this verse. He said, Most people tend to magnify their limitations, they focus on their shortcomings, but Scripture makes it plain. All things are possible to those who believe. That's right. It is possible to see your dreams fulfilled. It is possible to overcome that obstacle. It is possible to climb to new heights. It is possible to embrace your destiny. You may not know how all that will take place. You may not have a plan, but all you have to know is that if God said you can, then you can. Well, that sounds great. But does it really fit with what Paul was saying 
about his all things here. Paul says, I've learned to be content. You notice in verse 12, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. This preacher says, it is possible to see your dreams fulfilled. It is possible to overcome that obstacle. It is possible to climb to new heights. Does that sound like contentment? Does that sound like what Paul was experiencing when he wrote this verse? So we have to ask, what obstacles was Paul writing about? What was on his heart? What were the all things that he could do through Christ who strengthens him? If you go back to chapter 1 of Philippians... And uh, just look at verses 3 through 5 to start here. He's writing to these Philippians. This is a a letter of thanks because they have sent support for him in his ministry. And so he writes in in chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So Paul is concerned about his mission. He's concerned about spreading the gospel, and the Philippians have been concerned about that along with him. The problem is Paul's locked up. Paul's in prison. He can't get out. He can't go preach. He can't go visit churches. So does that mean that his mission is over? Does that mean that everything's on hold until he finally overcomes this obstacle of being locked up? He goes on and he says in chapter 1, verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, being put in prison, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So could prison keep Paul from his mission? of spreading the gospel. No, prison couldn't. Why not? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Could the threat of death keep Paul from his mission of spreading the gospel? No, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In fact, since that was God's mission for Paul, nothing could prevent him from doing that. These obstacles only served to bless his mission and to advance the gospel. You you realize we have a lot of these letters that Paul wrote because he was in prison, because he couldn't get out, because he couldn't go preach, he couldn't go share with these churches. And so instead, he, he starts writing letters, you know. And, and you and I have been blessed with the Word of God, with, with Scripture, because of Paul's imprisonment. The gospel continues to advance to this very day because of the time that Paul spent locked up. It's advancing in you. Now, I hope that's not disappointing, though. You know, it's because this verse isn't about you. <laughs> verse isn't about your dreams. It's not about what you want to do. You can't quote this scripture because your all things is maybe winning the lotto and you want God to help you because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you and you you want to win the lotto. Uh, I hope that you're excited that your all things is your participation in the greatest mission on earth. Your your all things is your participation in spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, the the word of, of peace, the word of hope, the only hope that we have in this world. And the reality is, some, there's some people in our churches who are dealing with some really big obstacles. They got a lot of things that they need to, to overcome. They've got roadblocks in their lives. They've got prisons that they're in, prisons that you're, you probably can't even see. You know, there's people dealing with depression. There's people dealing with substance abuse and, and grief and doubt and, 
living with the results of some very poor decisions that they made earlier and maybe living with the results of some very bad relationships that they continue to have. And, and there are people who stop and they say, what good can I do? I've screwed up. I've screwed up so much. What good is even trying? You know, why, what difference can I make? And I tell you, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. None of that can keep you from serving him. Your part in spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Your part of, uh, of uh, living a life of hope, living a life of peace. And according to what Paul says here, all of those things that seem like obstacles, that seem like they're holding you back, they can only serve to advance the gospel. They can only serve to enhance your part of that plan. You get to do something of eternal value, something that makes God rejoice, and there's nothing that can stop you from doing that. So if this verse is going to mean anything at all to us, we really have to take a hard look at ourselves. We have to look at our lives, our motivations. We have to look at the things that our lives are about, and we have to ask ourselves, are my all things the same as Jesus's all things for me? Are the all things that I want, are they the same as the all things that Jesus has for me? Now, I remember the very first time I read this verse. I, I remember what it was like the, the first time I, I read this. I, was, uh, I became a Christian when I was 16, so I was kind of young. And I know this would surprise some of you um, who've known me for a while. Um, but when I was a kid, I was a nerd. Uh, I really was. I mean, I was kind of a nerd. And uh, he's like, no, not him. Um, but when I became a Christian, Jesus changed me, and I became a Christian nerd. And that was a whole different kind of thing. And I was kind of a Bible nerd. Um, I, I knew the Bible was important. I knew it was important to be connected to the Word of God. So I had this little blue paperback Bible that I kept in my back pocket. It was a little New Testament. And while I was at school, I'd pull that out. If I had a few minutes, I'd read. And, you know, when I was at a job, I'd, I'd pull it out and read a little bit. Anytime I had free time, I would take that Bible out and I would read it. And I remember um, it, it started to wear out. So I bought some of that clear plastic laminate stuff, and I laminated it, and I hot glued the cover back on. And, you know, I wanted to keep that. It, looked, it was really, really nice and meant a lot to me, so I, I held on to it. And one night we were at youth group. We were at the youth minister's house, Rich Carmichael's house, and we'd had a great lesson. You know, we'd had a really good time and, and uh, had some good snacks and played some games. And I'm sitting there on the floor in Rich's house and his living room, just, just having a good time, minding my own business, when all of a sudden... I got jumped on uh, by Randy Carrion, yeah, who we all, we all called the Ranimal. You know, he's this big guy. He jumps on me, knocks me to the ground, and no one had told me, but apparently we were going to wrestle. You know, that was, that was Randy's thing. We, we were going to wrestle that night. So I'm laying there, and I, yeah, he was huge. He had me down. I, somehow I managed to squirm away from Randy, and I should have run. I really should. I know that now. I really should have run, but instead, I stood up, I reached in my back pocket, I pull out my Bible, and I flipped to Philippians 4.13, and I loudly proclaimed, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, closed my Bible, and jumped on Randy, and he knocked me over, rolled me over, laid down on top of me, and held me down, and I'm laying underneath him trying desperately to get to get back up and and i'm saying but i can do all things you know i'm supposed to be able to do all things through christ and randy took my he's growling he takes my bible out of my hands sticks it in his teeth 
sacred. Like, uh, you know, I was growling, and my Bible had teeth marks on it you know, forever after that. It was probably good that I learned that lesson when I was young. <laughs> it was probably good that I learned the lesson that my all things may not be the same as God's all things, that he might have some very different all things in store for me. So you can't, you can't read that verse and call your own shots. You can't read that verse and decide what your life is going to be about. If Jesus is Lord, he gets to call the shots. He's the one that decides how he's going to strengthen you. Uh, he gets to pick your all things. He gets to decide what your life is about and where you're going to find his strength. That's not a bad thing either. Now, that's a good thing. I hope you realize that because for everything that you think your life ought to be about, you know, for every hope that you've got, for every dream you've got of that perfect job, perfect life, perfect family, money, fame, whatever it is that you want, there's about a dozen cut, crushing blows that come your way that you never saw coming. Stuff that'll come that you just never were able to prepare for. Stuff you never expected. Heartbreaks that you didn't see coming. And in those moments when you're like, I didn't see that coming. I didn't know that was going to happen. And, and you're left just dazed and confused. You can be sure that if Christ is your Lord, then He has prepared you for those all things. He's going to get you through those all things. He will strengthen you. And that's really got to be the focus for us. Operate, us operating in Christ and Christ offering us strength. But it leads us to ask, what does that look like? How does Christ strengthen me? How should I find the, the strength of Christ? I don't know what people really expect from this verse, you know? I know that in my epic battle against Randy, uh, I, I kind of had this Popeye and Bluto mentality. You know, Randy was Bluto, and he was just pounding on me. You know, I was, I was poor little, you know, scrawny Popeye, and Randy's just pounding and pounding. You know, Popeye reaches in his shirt, and he pulls out his can of spinach. He squeezes it, the lid pops off, he eats the spinach, and, and just wails away on Bluto. That's, that's what I was expecting at that did not happen. I read the quote like the one I shared earlier from the preacher with the nice hair and the good teeth. And I think that's what people expect. That somehow power is just going to come upon them. They're going to be filled with this strength. You know, if that was the case, then why didn't Paul deck his jailer? Why didn't he break the chain? Why didn't he bend the bars and escape and go running off wherever he wanted to go? If that's what it meant, why didn't he do those things? If I truly believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I truly do believe that, then what's that strength going to look like? I think you see that in the very next verse. You see where you find that strength. Verse 14, he says, Yet it was kind of you to share my troubles. See, if Christ is strengthening me, if I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and Christ is the head of the church, which he is, and if the church is the body of Christ, which it is, then if I experience strength from him, it's going to be the strength that I get from the body. It's going to be other Christians strengthening me and, and blessing me and supporting me. Uh, moreover, other Christians are going to be blessed as they offer me strength, as they offer support to me. And, and, and I can turn that around, and I will be blessed as, as I offer strength and support to others. He goes on, and he says in verse 15, he says, And you Philippians and yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. 
I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, says the guy in prison. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I think the problem for us is that we live in a very self-centered culture. We have some very self-centered preachers out there who say things like, you may not have a plan, but all you have to know is if God says you can, then you can. And we make this verse about us. We make it about my plans. It's about my hopes. It's about my dreams. It's about my things. What if we made it about other people? What if I made this verse about your plans? What if I made this about your hopes and your dreams and the things that your life is about? What if I made it about others? What if I realized that in some amazing and divine way, I get to provide the strength of Christ to other people? I get to show them that kind of strength that when someone I know is going through a tough time, I get to be like Jesus. I get to help them like Jesus And I get blessed for that. And they get blessed for that. So what else is it going to look like? What is the strength of Christ going to look like in me? When I'm struggling with my all things, how will I recognize his strength? If you go back up to the beginning of verse 4, or chapter 4, and you look in verse 4, I know you know verse 4, I've heard you sing it before. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I've said it many times. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, right? We call him the Prince of Peace. So a prince, a prince reigns, right? A prince has has royal authority over you. So if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and if He reigns in my life, then His reign will be marked by peace. Where Jesus reigns, I will find peace. A a peace that passes understanding. A peace that I can't even begin to explain. So when the anythings in my life that make me anxious become the everythings, that I take to him in prayer, the result is going to be peace. But if you don't have peace, you have to be concerned that maybe those things aren't of Christ. He goes on and he says in verse 8, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Again, it's about the things that define your life being the things that are of him, being about the same things that he is about. And again, I I hope you understand that if there are things in your life that are not of Christ, that are not part of his plan, no amount of prayer is going to change that. No amount of praying and claiming his strength over all things will bring you peace. And too often, I think we find our lives consumed 
with things that simply are not, are not of God. We find our lives consumed with things that are not of Christ. We find ourselves exhausted. We find our energy gone. We find ourselves confused. Why, am, why is he not blessing me? Why am I not feeling better? Why am I not finding any strength in this? We find ourselves feeling lost when we really need to stop and ask ourselves, is this what my life's supposed to be about? Is, is this where I'm supposed to find my peace? If you have no peace, you need to ask, what are the all things that are consuming me, and what should I be doing if I want peace? What if you could be consumed with Christ instead? What if you could allow him to consume you? You know, for Paul, when he looked at the all things that he needed to overcome, you look at those all things that Paul had to overcome, his imprisonment, being chained to to a guard, the frustration that he had because he couldn't be out preaching, those frustrations could have consumed him, and he could have said, that's it, I'm done. There's nothing I can do about this. But instead, Paul let himself become consumed with Christ. So much so that back in chapter 1, verse 21, when he's considering the question, you know, they may come in, they might come get me and take me out and chop my head off. In chapter 1, verse 21, he comes to the conclusion, well, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I get so much more if, if that's what happens. When he's at the center of your life, when he's at the center of your motivation, the center of your strength, no thing can hold you back. I think somehow... Somewhere our lives find peace. Somewhere between I can do all things through him who strengthens me and a statement like, it is well with my soul. You know, it, those words, it is well with my soul, you read that, psalm, that song, they're, they're not words of, of resignation. It doesn't mean that you're giving up. It's a song that reminds us that God's plans may not be our plans, but as long as he is God, as long as he is Lord of our lives, we can trust him and we can hold on to him, and no thing can separate us from his love. No thing can keep us from serving him.